press on this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Press. Press harder than ever. I'll tell you what, the devil's in for a bad day today. This ain't a good day for the devil. Amen. But this is the day when sons and daughters of God can rejoice. Hallelujah. The shout of the king is in our midst. Amen. And he's Lord over all. He's Lord over every sickness, every disease, every problem, every affliction. And we're going to call the devil out in the street today and shoot him. Amen. I got a perfect weapon. Amen. We got the word of God. It'll defeat the devil anywhere, any place, and any time. Hallelujah. We're more than conquerors. We're not just barely winning this battle. We're more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. We're in a battleground here. I hope you brought your weapon. Get it out of the sheath. Any time to, for decoration, take it and press it to the heart of the enemy. Amen. We've already heard it this morning. Amen. As the singing has went forth and the admonition has went forth from Brother Timothy and the prayers, Brother Johnny and his inspired prayer. I'll tell you what, we just need to, we just really need to realize our position where we are in Christ. Amen. I want to welcome some of the members of the Patton family. Bryce, God bless you and all your siblings and whoever's here with you. Good to have you here with us today. And, and uh, Brother Bryce is a childhood friend of mine. And I, I, I intend to, to spend the rapture and then the eternals with him. Amen. God bless you, each one that is assembled. Uh, good to see Misty and little Brian back again. It's good to have you in service today. Amen. Amen. I pray you've been pressing the battle. And if you haven't, get in it. If you laid down your sword, get it again. Amen. It's time to press in harder than you ever pressed. Amen. God bless you. Let's talk to the Lord. Father, we're your children, heaven come in your name. We believe you with all our heart, and we want to thank you for your goodness to us. Your grace, which is sufficient. Your power, which is wonderful and marvelous. Oh, God, you are mighty in power. You are great in your deeds. We could spend the eternity extolling the great deeds of our God where he's triumphed over the enemy. And, Lord, we're looking today that you triumph through us. You give us that overcoming power, Lord, to stand in this evil day. Lord, we want to thank you, O oh God, for the meetings Brother Joe and Brother Aaron has had, that Brother Jason Jackson's. And I want to thank you for Michael and his participation, only him and Bethany there in, over in South Carolina where the meetings are going on there. And, He's been leading the singing there for the youth groups that were been ministered to. And I pray, God, that you'll just, just do a mighty work among your people. Lord, let there be revival around the world, Lord. Those that, whose hearts have been touched, let them be touched in your presence today. Speak, Lord. Let your word go forth in power. 
minister to souls and hearts and lives. We're your children now. We gather today in your name. We're just asking for inspiration. Lord, you know the weariness in our own flesh, but we press toward beyond that. And we press, Lord, into the realm of the Spirit of God where all things are possible to them that believe. We send the word from this place out in the realms of the invisible, the invisible realms of the, of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We send the word out to those that are sick and needy. We rebuke the adversary and claim the divine promise for every child of God this morning. I pray, Lord, you'll loose the bands, oh God, of sickness off of men and women. May they know they're free. Lord, sin, deliver them all from sin, Lord. You're, you're still a wonderful Savior. Do a work of grace in your people, Lord, in their lives as we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. And while you're just finding your place in the Bible, I, I just wanted to mention today that, um, you know, this past week I, I was able to speak for nearly three hours with um, on a Zoom conference call with about 18 uh, different Russian-speaking ministers um, from Russia, Ukraine. Uh, I'm not sure uh, each each one what country. Maybe somewhere from Lithuania or Latvia. Uh, but anyway, they were they all gathered and we had a wonderful time of fellowship with them and ministering to them uh, this week and. Um, you know, so when we, when we think of uh, the services here, it's more than just that what you see here in this building, but there are many, many that are represented around the world that are actually listening in or will hear this service. And we want to bring heaven, them into heavenly places. Amen. Amen. By, by the uh, word of God and by the power of Christ. I was really touched when one brother uh, introduced himself he is in the Ukraine. He was, he was speaking to me from prison. He was, uh, 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 he's a life in prison for a crime that he did not commit. And uh, I don't know all his story or whatever, but I asked him as, because he had kind of organized the meeting and, and had requested that I come and, and speak to them. And so through his inspiration, we kind of, they kind of got it together and we, minister, we ministered to them this past Thursday, and, um, and so I asked him, well, how in the world do you know me? You're in prison in, in, um, in Ukraine, and he said, um, well, um, I've heard DVDs of you and ministers' meetings where you spoke and where they translated in, into Russian and, and conventions and things like that, but said, I also get online and I listen to you preach. I don't understand English. I catch the inspiration from the service. Amen. So, you know, you think about that, you're inspiring a little heart that is there that's in prison. And, and you know, the devil isn't bigger than God. And God has a purpose for everything. So, if he's in prison for a crime that he didn't even commit, 
God's got him there, as, and he's got a little group of men there that he's been ministering to and trying to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to. So, you know, it's um, when, when you are in service like this, there are a host of unseen witnesses everywhere that are part of our service. And, you know, I, I see a little bright spot in our service today against Sister Catherine right there. And she used to be one of those that were listening in just like that and, and receiving um, the services and, and so on so that, you know, it ministered to her so she knows what I'm talking about. Amen. And, and there are thousands of others uh, around the world. And, you know, it's fulfilling the gospel. Amen. That this gospel must be preached unto all nations so the end can come. So we got a purpose and a place and a plan that God has for us. Amen. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. And neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down to you having great wrath, because he hath, knoweth he hath but a short time. Amen. And I'll tell you what, his time is even short now. The rapture's really soon. Amen. This battle is about to be over. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to focus more on the statement concerning the devil where he says, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Now, we, um, we are going to be speaking today on the battle for preeminence. Again, I was speaking on this last Sunday and got a, a little, little ways into my thought, and of course, we lost electricity because of a tree falling on a power line some four or five miles away and, and uh, knocked us out of electricity for a little bit. But we persevered and prevailed and went right on and ministered. And, and the good news is, is that, you know, uh, Brother Michael Dexter, he's Johnny on the spot. So he, he just really, uh, him and his brother David went to recording some other way and they pieced it all together and got it out there anyhow. So... You know, the devil can't stop us. Amen. We're pressing on. Amen. So today we're, we want to, as we look at this, we, I find this really curious where it says that uh, concerning the devil, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And, and so we want to find out why he is in heaven. Why is the devil in heaven? And whose place is he occupying there? Because he doesn't have a real place there. Amen. Amen. And, and then we want to find out how to cast him down from that place. 
Now, and so we, we're, we're looking and we're pondering in the scripture of how is it that Satan is occupying a place in heaven that is not his rightful place? Now, I know, uh, you know, a place in heaven represents authority and power. And we can see from the beginning of how Satan wanted preeminence over what he, at what was not his. It's just as we see here on the earth right now, the, the battles that are happening everywhere. As you know, we are at war. And there are wars that are happening Everywhere there's a war between right and wrong and good and evil. There's a right, a war in politics among nations and families, even in homes. Um, everywhere, I mean, I was in the hospital till about um, till, till nearly midnight last night with my wife, and and there, you know, the television is showing on uh, on there. Oh, it, not, it was a computer. I'm sorry, it was uh, there that was showing. Um, uh, just a, uh, f- um, you know, a flag of the gay, the gay flag, and, you know, with its uh, false rainbow. Rainbow covenant is, is God's covenant. It's not the gay covenant. God's color is seven. Theirs is six, number of man. And they want to change it into something evil and, you know, make it all-inclusive. And I, I, as I watched them, you know, advertising for the hospital, well, we want to represent all, all, uh, all uh, every, everybody and, and everything. Well, why isn't there a flag flown for, um, for real marriages and real homes? You know, why, why isn't, why isn't, I mean, they're, they're having what they call their pride. Why isn't there a pride in, in, in truth and reality and what's real and what's holy? Are you with me? But anyway, we, we, we know there's wars that are going on. Jesus said this end time would be with wars and rumors of wars. So there's wars on every, on every front, satanic attacks. And we see even in Israel of late, they have been uh, under real battle. And, um, and we were talking about that, how that it's a contest over Jerusalem. And as you know, every denomination wants to be the Jerusalem, the place where God puts his name and they claim uh, they're the place for heaven. And, um, and again, the, the um, battles that have been uh, here of late in Jerusalem, just to recap that for a moment, it's been about removing squatters. A squatter is a person who unlawfully occupies an uninhabited building or a piece of land. And so these rights that has been taking place in Gaza has been over a Supreme Court ruling where they were going to rule, you know, to give rights to Israelis to legally remove these Palestinians from properties that were actually purchased by the Jews. The Jews own title to it. They bought it with money, and yet they're, and they bought it um, from the Palestinians, but they won't leave the property, and so they want to be a squatter on there, and, and so in 1982, they even signed an agreement accepting Jewish ownership of the land while being allowed to live there as protected tenants, and, but they, uh, since that time, have refused to pay rent. And, you know, they're laying claim to what is not legally theirs. 
And, and let me just talk about that for a minute. Furthermore, all the land that the Jews owned prior to Israel becoming a nation was purchased. Uh, they paid for it for decades. They bought swamps and deserts, and they rehabilitated the land. And then the same Arabs that sold it to them wanted it back when they saw it could be developed. You know, and the, um, the land changes hands by two ways, by purchase or through war. But the Jews have gained this property in Jerusalem by buying it. And, but they can't possess it because of squatters illegally possessing the property. And, you know, people forget that before the Jews returned to Israel, and by the way, her name is Israel and not Palestine. It was labeled Palestine by the Romans. But um, before they returned to Israel, it was a desolate, mainly swamps and deserts. In fact, uh, the well-known Mark Twain um, that, that we know here in America as a literary figure, he visited Palestine in 1867, and he said it was a hopeless, dreary, heartbroken land. And this is a really important statement to think about what kind of condition it was in. For two millennium of abuse, 2,000 years of abuse, there um, the land with wind and water erosion is a result in the land being non-productive. And so as the Jews returned to Israel, they purchased a lot of the swamp and, and desert lands, and they lovingly restored the land literally, and it became one of the most productive places on the face of the earth. If you ever go there, you'll see what I'm talking about. Places that was formerly just swamps and are barren and desert. And, and it's fulfilling the scripture, Isaiah 35 and verse 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. And the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. And, and the excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. So we, we actually saw, have witnessed in our day a, a barren land becoming fruitful. Uh, a desert land blossoming like a robe. So what was swamps and full of mosquitoes now um, is, is productive land. And uh, so, you know, we, we have seen that. But we've also seen neglected and abandoned areas of the Word of God that would blossom abundantly too. Come on now. We saw healing that had been neglected, promises of healing that had been neglected and abandoned by the church, and we've seen it repossessed. Amen. We've seen it blossom and bring forth abundantly. Miracles, amen, gifts of the Spirit, and mystery truths of the Word that was just stagnant scriptures of murky waters. Amen. The swamp water was drained, and the disease-bearing mosquitoes, the demons of affliction, tormenting spirits were cast out. Amen. Leaving them no habitation. And that's what I want for our land. This promised land of the Word of God. I don't want the devil to be able to squat on one promise and say you can't have it. That I possess it. You, you cannot occupy this. 
but we want to be complete, total believers and total deliverance and total victory. We're not going to accept something less than that, but total victory. Amen. Now, of course, it's our land has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. How many believes that? Amen. We, we've got a title deed to it. Amen. But Satan wants to squat on the promise. He wants to stand there and possess that and keep you from occupying it and bring all of hell against you. But I'm telling you right now, it's been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And how dare us to let one purchased parcel of God's word lay there with the devil sitting up on it. Amen. Without challenging him and saying, you have no right to this promise. You have no right to keep the children of God from enjoying the blessing of healing, of signs, of wonders, of deliverance, of the power of God. You have no right to it. And I'm here to declare today the devil has no right. He has no right to you. He has no right to your body. He has no right to your soul. He has no right to your mind. He has no right to the Word of God. He has no right to your joy. He has no right to your peace. He has no right to your victory. He has no rights. The blood has totally paid for it all. He wants to sit there as a squatter. Try to hold you off and bluff you. Sit in the very places and heavenly places that you are designed to dwell in. And argue with you over it. I'll tell you what, it's a time to fight. The Bible said in verse 3, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. How many is ready for that? Strengthen my feeble hands. Say, well, my faith has been weak, Brother Tim. Well, strengthen that feeble hand of faith. Amen. Increase my faith. Let's press on to the battle. Notice he says, confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. That's what we see in this battle in Revelation 12. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Amen. We're reading here, he will come and save you. Watch what happened. He said, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall break waters, shall waters break out in streams in the desert. Look at this. Look at this. Look what he says. The miraculous is going to take place. This word is going to bloom. It's going to blossom. The bright tree will blossom again. She's going to bring fruit of the word. She's going to bring on her fruit will be ever sign, ever wonder, ever promise. Amen. The lame will leap as a heart. The tongues of the dumb shall sing. The blind eyes shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. This is not history. This is prophecy. And I want you to look at it and say, this is my God's word to me today. Amen. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty lands spring of water. And, and um, 
and the, in the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there and a way and it shall be called the way of holiness and the unclean shall not pass over it but it shall be for those the wayfaring man though food shall not err therein now remember this is exactly what john the baptist the malachi 4 was to do it was a voice of him crying in the wilderness as john the baptist don't you realize what we've had this week on june the 11th 88 years ago God thundered from heaven, saying, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. Don't you see what it's done? It's made a highway in the desert for our God. We are, we are to, listen, the, the, the path has been blazed. We can ride right down the highway, beautiful highways that have been made for us. The valleys of neglected truth have been raised up. The mountains of exalted man's ideas have been pulled down. And a highway has been made for our God. And for the people of God to, to press and go right to any divine promise. I like what he says in verse 9. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Let's say it like that this morning. Let's realize the redeemed shall walk here. Where I'm walking, devils ain't got a right to trod. Where I'm walking, amen, the ravenous beast cannot be found there. Where I'm walking, where I'm walking in this path, in this promised land, it is not for the enemy to trot there. It's for the redeemed of the Lord to go from victory to victory to victory. And the ransom of the Lord shall, the ransom of the Lord, don't miss this, this is the redeemed of the Lord, shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads and they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Are you ready for that this morning? Let the joy then flow. Amen. Let sorrow and sadness flee away. There's been a highway made. But you know what? Riots work. You riot against the police, and we defund them, please. Instead of defunding and attacking crime, we attack the police. The Palestinians have learned riot, make a bunch of noise, Threaten, send thousands of missiles, and you can even make laws ineffective because laws are worthless when authorities are afraid to enforce them. Are you with me? Amen, exactly right. The, the, this is what the Palestinians, and the devil knows. When you step on the promise of God, all he has to do is make a bunch of noise, riot, and start throwing missiles. Because why? People will back up. Whoa. It's ours. It's our land. It's our promise. The word of God is ours. But that word is worthless when you're afraid to enforce it. 
I want you to look what happened with the, with the BLM movement. It's a homosexual, anti-nuclear family movement where they're, you know, um, they're against the nuclear family, which is where a father's in the home, and it's based on Christian principles. And you look at their movement. What have they learned? Riot? Burn? Loot? While the police stand helplessly by and not backed up by mayors and governors teaching their people to resist authority and resist arrest? And if you get killed, what happens to you if you get killed? You get memorials built in your honor. You get streets named after you. You, you, you get memorials that are, and, and towers that are built and signs that are put up in your honor. And even though your life was a crime-ridden life, millions of dollars will be paid to you, your family, even though you're a career criminal. And they learned, they learned this. And the devil knows, too, that riots work. Just put your foot on a promise to take authority and a preeminence on a promise to, and you'll watch the devil howl, scream, riot. He'll deny you possession, if he can, of the promise with the support of the whole world behind him. Let me just tell you. Heaven's Supreme Court is taking the seals off of the ancient records. And it shows plainly that the throne is ours. Come on, somebody. Help me preach now. Amen. We're talking about Satan being dethroned. We're seeing him in a heavenly place that ain't his. It belongs to you, the children of God. Where you stand in authority over every spirit, over every enemy, but he's there to resist you. Remember in the church ages, and I kind of ended with this note the other day, but what the church had in Pentecost is her inalienable right. Originally, she had the pure word of God. She had the power of the spirit manifest into diverse signs and wonders and gifts of the Holy Ghost. Inalienable rights are rights that are unable to be taken away or given away. Amen. Amen. You know, I mean, we, we today, we want to give away parts of the promise. Well, you know, we'll just give away, we'll just give away the gifts of the Spirit. That's, that's babyhood. What are you talking about that's babyhood? How can you plan on having the full word of God and some of it's missing? How can you claim to be perfectly uh, mature and built up in Christ and, and yet some of it doesn't work? It is ineffective in your life. Come on, somebody. I mean, you can't give it away. And I'm just going to tell you, you cannot give any promise of God away, whether it's healing or, or whether it's deliverance, whether it's a gift of the Spirit, whether it's water baptism in Jesus' name, if it's one God, truth, or whatever it is, it can't be given away. Come on now. Amen. And, it, and the devil is unable to take it away from us. Today, what the church had at Pentecost is still our inalienable right and cannot be taken away or given away by us as a possessor. But when we began moving squatters from the land, 
from our title deed inheritance. That's when war begins. I want you to know, Brother Branham placed the rapture right here. Revelation 12 and 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And Brother Branham ties this to the rapture. In the second seal, in the fourth seal, he tells us clearly that when Satan is cast down here in Revelation 12, the bride goes up. So what you're seeing by the casting down of Satan, you are also seeing there the ascending of the bride. That's why you're hearing there, there when Satan is cast down, there is rejoicing in heaven. Why is it? It's because the, the saints have taken their position there. And so, so again, we, you know, the rapture itself is a battle. It's a war. You're not on a picnic. You're not here for somebody to feed you Cheerios and spoon feed you applesauce. You're not babies anymore. You're sons and daughters of God. You're here to take your inheritance. Amen. You know, it's it's time, you know, where where the churches got to be diapered and their messes cleaned up and bottle fed. That should be over with. We should be mature sons and daughters of God now. Amen. Now, so what in the world was Satan doing in heaven? How did he get there? And whose place did he have there? I'd like you to turn with me to Ezekiel 28, verse 12. And because he was once the anointed cherub that covered. It's perfect in all his way until iniquity was found in him. Verse 12 says, Son of man, take up a lamentation unto the king of Tyrus. Now, I want to just give you something here. He's speaking... To a man on the earth, but he's addressing a spirit that is in him. Because the man is in all of this that the Bible says. It's the spirit that he's talking to. Remember, when he's addressing this king, he is addressing the spirit behind it. And he said, take this lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, thus saith the Lord, thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Ever precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the the onyx, the the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold, and the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And this is what Satan's original position was in the heavens. He was a protector of the word. Brother Branham would call him, you know, God's right-hand man. All but a creator. And he was there to, like all angels are, to see that the word is carried out. That the word is kept pure. Angels are messengers, and messengers, you know, can't be a true message and a messenger unless they're telling what the real message was. Amen. Any messenger that has his own message or embellishes or changes it is not a true messenger. So you see, he said, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou hast walked 
upon the holy mountain of God that was walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire that was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. So now notice again, you know, there, there was this time where, where that he was the anointed cherub that covered, but then iniquity was found in him. Go with me to Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How thou, art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my, star, my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. How many wants to be like Jesus? That's not what Lucifer wanted. He wanted worship. I'll be like the most high. I'm going to exalt myself. This is where it is found fulfilled in 2 Thessalonians where he sits in the temple of God, worshiped as God. Are you with me? Convincing all that he's God. But I want you to know where here's the ultimate end. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. He's got a scheme, he's got a plan, and he's been working now for thousands of years, and he's, he's, he's got his skills all honed because he's worked against men down through the ages. But notice, he was cast out of heaven. But now we see in Revelation 12, verse 9, he's cast out of heaven again. But how did he get back into heaven? That's a million-dollar question. He got cast out, and he come to the earth, walked in Eden in the very garden of God. But how, how was it when he got cast out and that he wound up getting back? And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He's cast out in the earth. His angels cast out with him. So here in Revelation, he's in heaven, but he's not. I want you to notice he's not a garden, a garden cherub with wings spread over the word. I mean, he is a tormentor. He is called a devil. That's a tormentor. He is accusing the brethren. And by accusations and by bluffing you, trying to take you and keep you from your rightful position of authority of sonship. Now, you want to ask the question, well, how did he get back in the heavens after being cast down in the first rebellion? Because the Bible said his tail drew the third part of the stars. So not only did he fall, but his angels fell with him. And then we find out here again, he gets back into heaven somehow. It's kind of a mystery, isn't it? I mean, he's cast out in the beginning, and now in the end, he's got to be cast out again. Well, how did he get back? Well, you see, he had been cast out of the heavens, and he comes to the earth looking far away back. Now, he is the tree of death in the Garden of Eden. And by his anointing upon the serpent who was a beast that could talk, it was not a reptile, 
but his upright creature at the top of the animal world being the most subtle, the most shrewd, sensible, intelligent beast of the field. Notice he's a beast, not a reptile. He can reason, he can talk. Amen. And the devil using this serpent, anointing this serpent, this one we're calling the serpent, a beast. We think of the serpent now, a snake that's crawling. It was no snake in the tree. Amen. It was, it was an upright creature. He cursed him and said, on your belly, you'll, you'll crawl the rest of your life. What good was it do to curse him if he's already on his belly? Right? He was an upright creature. He's standing there. He could reason. He could talk. He could convince with cunning words and come to, come to Eve. Now, notice, and, and using the serpent, he convinces Eve that she'll be as wise as God. Now, notice the whole spirit of the devil is for preeminence. It's to exalt himself. You watch a person always wanting to exalt themselves. You watch a preacher always craving the position and exalting. You'll see a satanic anointing is what you'll see. You see, the devil was using there and, and he convinces Eve that she'll be as wise as God and knowing good and evil. Well, she was already as God. She was a daughter of God. Come on. She was, Adam was made in the image of God. And, and she already knew the good. Everything God had ever done was good. The whole world, when he made it and he said, and he finished all his creation, he said, oh, it's very good. And she knew evil. It was now personified in the tree of knowledge. And it was evil that Satan offered her to know. He got her to doubt her position. I want you to catch a key there. She was already positioned. But he got her to doubt her position. To question, to question now, uh, you know, and, and wanting to push herself out into an area, into a realm that she didn't belong in. Are you with me now? And so he gets her to doubt her position, and she fell. I mean, come on. It's like the stars that are in the heaven. Get one of them off its path. Get one of them moving out of its cycle, and what will happen? It'll crash into another and crash into another and crash into another. And first thing you know, the whole universe would be in chaos. But God's got every one of them hung in a certain place in a certain orbit. Are you with me now? Amen. Now, so again, it, it, was, it was here that Satan offered her knowledge and got her to doubt her position. You know, trying to bring something that was better than what God said. Now, remember, this is exactly where our contest is. We have to cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the Word of God. I don't care if it's a doctor's report. We take what God's Word said over what the doctor said. The doctor, he's telling you what he knows as far as what his science can tell him. But he's not the ultimate. He's not the final say. He's not the authority. God is the authority. Amen. There is, there is no devil can take your life until God is through with you. 
Satan can only go so far. He's limited. I want you to know you're dealing with a limited devil. He does not have supreme power. He doesn't have supreme control. He's not in control of your situation. He's not in control of my home. He's not in control of my wife's health. He's not in control of me. He's not in control of my health. He's not in control of the church. He's not in control of the bride of Jesus Christ. He is not in control. There is a God in heaven, and he's the one that's in control. Hallelujah. Now, Adam was not deceived, but he was also in the transgression when he took his wife quickly to himself. Now, the discovery of their nakedness learned from the serpent caused Eve to bring forth from the serpent that knowledge that she learned, the discovery of nakedness caused her to bring forth Cain, who was of that wicked one. And then through that knowledge, she brought to Adam, and they brought forth Abel. Now, in doing this, Adam's fall decreed that every child of his would be born of sexual birth. And, and so they would be born of sexual knowledge that was taught to them by the serpent that made them realize they were naked. And then every human child born would now be born with sin's nature, having preeminence and ruling over them. And all would be born wrong and would have to be born again. And the only way that salvation could come was one be born without sex, without the original sin, come on, and would be born there of the spoken word. And when he came forth, he was not under the rule and dominion of Satan. Satan had no control over him. He said that, that, that Satan has come and he had found no place in me. He don't have a right to me anymore at all. He never did have. Now, so all, all of us was born, no, it's in nature having preeminence. We were, would all be born wrong, and we would have to be born again. And this would cause our fall from immortality to mortality. Now, subjugated and brought under Satan's dominion, Satan, uh, Adam, rather, could no longer rule from the heavenly realms. But only through strength and, and human strength and human intellects and, and his abilities could he rule the earth. And Adam and all of mankind came under Satan's lordship. But Satan is not the true owner of the earth. He didn't create it. It wasn't created for him. He is a squatter on the earth. Amen. And he's even a squatter on your body, your body of this earth. Come on, your earthly body. Amen. And his death and his mortality reigns within our mortal frame. Now, from then on, Every time the sons of God appears, Satan appears with them. What's this? In the book of Job, turn with me, Job's 1 and 6. When the sons of God appear, Satan's right there with them. What is he there for? Accusing. What's what he does? He's the accuser. 
he is finding fault as to why Job should not be considered a perfect man. Why he shouldn't have authority. So now there's a battle going on. God says he's perfect. Come on. Amen. Satan says, but I can make him curse you. So there is a war that goes on and it winds up in Job's body. And it depends now on which one Job believes as to what wins. And as long as Job is accusing God of his problem and not getting his eyes on who the real problem is, then the devil is winning. But when Job gets his eyes on the Redeemer, when he gets his eyes on the promise, and he says, I know my Redeemer liveth, and I know, amen, amen, Job, that I come forth, that I go through all of this and be purged, I will come forth as pure gold. All the beating that the devil's going to do to me is going to just beat the impurities out of me. Like the beaten gold. Now, look, there came a day when the sons of God came to present themselves and Satan came also among them. Now, what right did Satan have among the sons of God? It was because of the fall. Then the Lord said to Satan, where comest thou? Where you been? And he said, from going to and fro through the earth, from walking up and down in it. Now, the earth don't belong to him. It wasn't made for him. It wasn't created for him. He wasn't created for the earth. Come on, somebody. The earth belongs to God. It's to be the place that he will dwell in the great new Jerusalem ahead. It's God's dwelling place. Is that right? And he put man to have dominion over it. But he never gave the devil that, but man did through the fall. Now notice, and so he says, I come from going to and fro through the earth, walking up and down in it as tormentor. He walks to and fro. He stirs up stripes and nations. He stirs up strife and family, strife in the weather with typhoons and floods and hurricanes and destruction. Think about this. The nature that Adam once controlled now controls and dominates his thoughts, his plans, thwarts his efforts, freezes, burns, brings torments of famine and destruction. All of this happens under satanic lordship over mankind in his earthly home. In the book of Zechariah, we find that when Joshua the high priest appears before God and Satan is at his right hand to oppose him. Look at Zechariah 3.1. The Lord, and he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Amen. So here, here again, sons of God appeared before God. And you would read the book of Zechariah, he would, he would dress and put the fair miner on him, put clean garments upon him, all these things, preparing him for the presence of God, right? But you see, when, but when he goes to appear before God, Satan is there at his right hand to resist him. Let me tell you, you can't pray a prayer without there being war in heaven. You cannot start toward a promise 
without the devil standing there to resist you. Those of you seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can't walk toward that promise without the devil telling you, it ain't for you or it ain't real or it won't happen to me that way. Now, let me tell you, Jesus is no exception. As the first one filled with the Spirit, who the Spirit indwells, now not just simply anoints, but he indwelt him. Jesus, having received his position of sonship, when heaven opened, I want you to notice, heaven opened, and the atmosphere like a dove of heaven came down in him. I want you to get this. Amen. Jesus there was told, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is the son I love. This is my son. You see, that's what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is. It's not you recognizing God. It's God recognizing you. When you come to the altar and you accept Christ as your Savior, you're accepting Christ. But when you get the Holy Ghost, that's Christ accepting you. That's when he recognizes your faith. Now, Jesus having received his position of sonship, when heaven opened and was recognized as God's son, the tempter comes down accusing. Now, here comes the fight. Look with me in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. And the tempter came to him. Look, he'd just been baptized with the Holy Ghost. Let me just say this. If you're a Holy Ghost-filled person today, God isn't afraid of the devil. He isn't afraid of any trial you go through. He isn't afraid that you're going to cave in, that you're going to throw in the towel and quit. He knows you're going to prevail. Come on, somebody. Amen. Now, Matthew there says, the tempter came to him and said, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. In other words, prove it. You got to, you know, try to prove it to me. And, they, and every time that he comes as a tempter, he comes questioning his sonship. If you're the son, questioning his position. Here Jesus now, just now baptized with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit comes in and dwells him. And the moment that he does, here comes Lucifer. trying to tempt Jesus to doubt. I'm trying to get something to you. When you take a promise of the Word of God, the devil's going to come with every kind of accusation. He's going to tell you you're not a son, you're not a daughter, you don't belong to God. See, it might be for some people, but it ain't for you. You've done blasphemed the Holy Ghost or done something and he'll never come to you. He'll do everything he can to keep you from the promise. He'll throw fear on you, doubt on you, unbelief. He'll cover you in every way that he can. Amen. Jesus had to fight Satan in order to operate as a son from the heavenly realm. It was war. His position was, was questioned. The very moment he stood into his position of sonship, amen, he was questioned. Because though he was the son of God, his dominion only was in recognizing who he was. Right. 
Don't let that go over your head. Because though you're a son of God, your dominion only lies in you recognizing who you are. I am a blood-washed, blood-bought, sonner daughter of the living God, and the devil has no right to me. He has no right to my home. He has no right to my life. He has no right to my spiritual walk. He has no right to me. I am a son of God. I don't belong to the devil. I belong to God. That's who I belong to. I was purchased by the blood of Jesus. And Satan has no power over me unless I give it. But it's not mine to give away. Now, Jesus' dominion was only in recognizing who he was and operating as a son of God with power and authority from his position of head of sonship in the heavens. Now, would God's word have preeminence? Here's the battle. Would Jesus, would God's word have preeminence? What God said to him? Or would Satan's doubt have preeminence? Here's the war. Which one is he going to give preeminence to? Here's this one coming with his dark depression, his evil spirit haunting, coming down. You could see it in the spiritual realm. Maybe it was like a a dark cloud. Maybe it was a disfigured figure. I don't know what it was like. But here he comes haunting, breathing right down on him. If you are the son of God. If you're really who you say you are. If you're really a son, prove it. But Jesus didn't have nothing to prove to the devil. In trying to prove to the devil, he would have only been doubting his own position. Are you with me? Amen. So it was with God's word have preeminence or with Satan's doubt have preeminence. Now, Jesus, knowing his authority and his position, Cast out devils by his authority of sonship. Taking his position in the word. He healed the sick by the authority of his sonship. He literally brought heaven's rule to earth. Let me show you. Matthew chapter 4 verse 23. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manners of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. What was he doing? He was bringing heaven down. Hallelujah. Heaven's rule began now casting out the devils, casting out sickness, casting out maniac spirits, casting out seven devils of Mary Magdalene, casting out, come on, healing the sick. Hallelujah. He could so rule in that realm, he could call a man that had traveled four days journey from his body back in just a moment's time and raise him up from the dead. His name was Lazarus. Are you with me? In Luke 10, we see that Jesus authorized 70 to act by the authority of his position. Here's what you can do. Now, remember, he, he said, you can act by the authority of my position. By acting in, his, in my name, I'm going to send you out to 
in my position. Luke chapter 10, verse 9, and heal the sick that are therein and say to them, the kingdom of God or the rule of God has come nigh to you. Right? When the sick are healed, it's a battle in the unseen. Heavenly, in that unseen heavenly realm. And it's there when Satan falls as a believer takes God's word and conquers. Look at verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Can't you, can't you get it? Yes, sir, he would say, yeah, I saw it. I saw it that they were subject to my name. He said, I saw the great battle in the spirit realm, and I saw every devil that you conquered, and I saw it like Satan falling from heaven. I saw when you believed in my name, and when you proclaimed my name, and you took authority, I saw the devil had to bow to that and fall from that position. And I saw healing take place. And I saw deliverance take place. I saw miracles take place because Satan was cast out. Behold, verse 19, I give you power to tread on serpents, and scorpions and over every power, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because this shows your authority in the heavenly places. This authority is with me through my name. Now listen, it's war. If you go with me to Ephesians 6.10, you'll see what I'm talking about. It says, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. What is the world is an armor for if you're not going to fight? You're just going to parade? Amen. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Do you know what that word is, heavenly places? It's the exact same Greek word is where he says in Ephesians 1, and he hath made us to sit in heavenly places. But I want you to notice here that there is spiritual wickedness in high places or heavenly places. Amen. So he says, you're going to have to fight to have dominion. You want dominion over disease? You want dominion over sin? You want dominion over affliction? You're going to have to fight for it. I'm putting a sword in your hand. I'm putting a, a weapon, and I'm doing more than that. I'm putting a helmet up on you. I'm putting a breastplate. I'm, I'm preparing you from head to toe, and I want you to fight. And you're going to fight for your position. You're going to fight to possess your inheritance. Oh, God, just uh, take the enemy and drive him out of our land for us. And let me sit back and drink iced tea. No, he said, I, yeah, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to whip the devil, but I'm going to use you to do it. You're the one. You're the one. You're the body I'm going to work through. I showed you what I would do in my body. Now I'm showing you what I'm going to do in the bride body. 
Take your position. You see, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers, against Satan himself, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Spiritual wickedness that opposes you as you take your position of sonship. Wherefore, taking to you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having all, done all to stand. stand. What? Stand. stand. Don't be a quitter. Don't run. You say, well, I've done everything I could to stand. Well, keep standing there. Come on now. Keep that sword out. Don't turn and run. Don't back up from the promise. It's God. He possessed it with his own blood. He paid for it. Do not let a position that Jesus paid for escape from you. It's your promise. Dress yourself for war. Do all you can do to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, having the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith whereby, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, and watching thereto with all perseverance, that means not giving up, and supplications for all saints. Amen. So what are you doing? You're bringing heaven's atmosphere and the power of faith into the church where all things are possible. Like I told the brothers from Russia the other day, if you want healing, you got to preach healing. You want faith in the church, you got to preach faith. You want to see miracles, you got to preach miracles. Amen. Whatever it is, you got to preach it. Amen. Because faith comes by hearing and hear the word of God. What are you doing? You're bringing heaven's atmosphere. That, that's exactly why when Satan attacked one of our sisters there, Sister Lana there, I immediately, when she come down with that cancer, I immediately began to preach faith every service. Faith, 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 faith. What was I doing? Building her up for victory. Building the church up to believe for victory. Amen. And that one has caused another victory and another victory and another victory. And we're not through. We're not through. There's more battles to win. There's more enemies to be conquered. Amen. The enemy is already a defeated enemy. Jesus defeated him at Calvary. Hallelujah. We know he's a squatter on the land. He doesn't have a right to it. It is not his possession. So what are you doing when you believe? You're starting to bring heaven's atmosphere and power of faith into the church where all things are possible. You're bringing heaven down to the earth. Brother Branham said this in the wedding supper. He said, then you say, well, we'll gather in his name. Speaking the name of Jesus by word is not what he meant. So much as the attitude that you're gathered in, the environment of the name of Jesus when you gather in my name, then ask what you will. It's the motive that you come in. The attitude is the attitude. Instead of so much calling the name, sinners call on the name on the street and curse it and everything else. But it's the environment or the surrounding atmosphere that you're in. The attitude that you come, coming in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Do you realize when you come in the name of Jesus, are you with me? It represents every redemptive work that he done. Amen. The healing that was wrought at Calvary, the deliverance, the salvation, everything. When you, when you call on the name of Jesus, you are calling on all the redemptive qualities of the name of Jesus Christ. Wilson Merton's faith, he said, now you find out those atmospheres. When you get, whenever, where faith is taught in the church, you'll find a church in that atmosphere. Oh, God, let me get this to you. You see it. See, that's the reason people come among the saints where they're praying and where they're believing. Paul didn't find any in the city, only Timothy, that was like a precious faith. He had, you know, the rest of them was all denominationalists. But when he got into that atmosphere, you find things coming on that atmosphere was created. You find people living by faith. When you get into a place where it says, my, why the Bible is true, God heals. And you walk around their congregation and you find, while I was dying with cancer, I was healed. I was once blind, I see. And the stranger says, my, why, what do you mean? What's the matter with you? I'll show you my record. Come home with me. Come eat dinner with me. I'll show you. I got a record up there. My neighbors know that I was this kind of condition. I was paralyzed for years. I was prayed for. What is it? That word in that church, that group of believers has created that atmosphere. Hallelujah. Amen. You realize you this morning have the power to bring heaven down? Amen, to create an atmosphere of heavenly places where miracles take place, where healing takes place, where salvation takes place, where joy comes. Come on. Don't fuss at us about our joy and our shouting and our dancing in the spirit. Heaven came down. My goodness, if heaven never comes down in your soul like that, it'll get your Methodist foot patent too, and you'll begin to rejoice and get out in the spirit too. Hallelujah. See, that word in that church, uh, that group of believers has created that atmosphere. He speaks about two atmospheres in wisdom versus faith. He said, how is the word in simplicity yet in its completion ever going to grow in a place where knowledge overshadows that and says it can't be so? I want to ask that question. I want to ask my brothers around the world. How in the world is the word in its simplicity yet in its completion ever going to grow to a place where, where knowledge is overshadowing and that knowledge says it can't be so? We're beyond that. Uh, we got the perfect word, and because we have the perfect word, we no longer have uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit. We no longer have the promises that are there. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a minor, not a major. Well, if you got the major, where's the minor? How can you claim to have a perfect word and part of it's missing? When that which is perfect has come, then just having part is done away with. So when we get the per- when we have the perfect word, then having just part of it is done away. What was this message to do? To bring you the word in its completion. Yes. So, well, Brother Tim, you know, that's in past. You know, there was justification, sanctification, restoration of the gifts, and we're beyond that. Oh, you are? Well, where are they? Come on. 
Well, you know, but that's all past. You see, John 14, 12 was just for Brother Branham. That's a lie. And Brother Branham refuted that over and over again. A demon from hell taught that. Ministers got under that anointing. It's against the Word of God. The signs follow them that believe. John 14, 12 is your belief. It's your, your personal property. Every one of you. Come on now. Amen. This, this is the Word. When faith is preached from the Word, Brother Brandon said, the children live. Where knowledge is preached from a seminary, the children die. And the same thing happened in the Garden of Eden. That's what happened to them. Two atmospheres there. When Eve got off the right one on the wrong one, she died, and it'll do it every time. So they cannot stay. If your church has got that kind of atmosphere, oh, child, if you want to live, you believe the Word. So when man forsook God's Word, he died to heaven's atmospheres. Or it became close to him, and he could only operate in earth's atmosphere. Now, an atmosphere of faith. Now, that's what Elijah was supposed to do in our day. How many knows that? Amen. Elijah was to do what? Turn our hearts back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. Now, I don't want Pentecost. Well, that's what Elijah was to do. You missed his message. To turn us back to the same faith, the same doctrine, word by word, the same power, the same signs, the same wonder, the same Holy Ghost. Come on with the shout of the king in their midst. That's what it was to do. Malachi 4 was to turn your heart back to believing again. And when you got more and more unbelief that's being preached, well, that's why you're not seeing miracles. That's why you're not seeing signs and wonders follow them that believe. The signs and wonders will follow the word. The Bible said Jesus went with them everywhere, confirming the word with signs following. Paul said, the word that I preached was not preached by the knowledge of man, but by, by the, but the word, he said, came not with word only, but with power and with demonstration. That's how the word comes. Brother Branham told us, you're, you're just a teacher if there's no signs that are following. If you're a real preacher, signs follow a preaching of the word. He said, we were commanded to go to the world and preach it. Deliver the people. Bring heaven's atmosphere down. Bring the Holy Ghost in the meeting. See heaven come down. And when heaven comes down, nature's change. The animals get to quarreling among themselves in Eden and a little something coming up. You know, the lion was a lion. The lamb was a lamb. And, you know, here, here, there. All Adam did is brought heaven's atmosphere down. Had a millennium. Amen. Come on, somebody. It'll happen for you. Amen. You see, the atmosphere of faith comes by the Elijah message to turn our hearts back to, to faith again, to believing. Now, because of the fall, Adam's position in the heavens of sonship was closed off to man, and, and Lucifer becomes the accuser of the brethren in heaven, keeping us from our rightful position. This is why Brother Branham would tell us in future home, both the heavens and the earth now is contaminated with devils that can accuse us before God. But Jesus is there to intercede for us. Amen. While the accuser keeps pointing a finger, they did this, they did this, they did this, but the blood still covers. Right. He came to redeem the elected 
that he foresaw. But that's why it's so filthy today. Because your heavens and earth is contaminated with devils. Every time you move toward God, here Satan comes to resist you. Every time you pray, every time you reach out. Come on now. When Brother Branham was there in a, in a, in a meeting and, and there was a, a man just before he went into the meeting in a very crowded place, this is the same place that the blind-eyed uh, colored girl got, received her sight, that she, he got a, a man there, stopped him and said, if you would just for a moment, said, come over here to this ambulance and pray for this woman. Said, I've driven her, and you know, her hu husband is heartbreaking, heartbroken. He's, he, she, his wife just died. And he said, well, if she died, she went to heaven. She's better off than us. I, I got to get to this meeting. He said, no, please, come, come, come. And he said, you know, and he, 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 he was compelled to go that way. And he got it. Men, some men got him over to the ambulance where the woman was laying. And there, you know, her husband was crying, and he was he was just weeping there, just saying, oh, brother, oh, it's you, brother Branham. Well, it's too late now, I guess. My wife was a good woman. We sold jet, but all our blackberry jam and stuff to make it to this meeting. We took our quilts and sold them, and we've tried, and we've just tried to serve God with all our hearts, and we're trying to make it to the meeting, and, and I couldn't get her to you, brother Branham. We, you know, and brother Branham said, well, let's, let's just pray, and he took her by the hand. And he began to pray with her. And he said, as he began to pray, you know, he, he, he felt like, you know, there was a little squeeze come to his hand. And, and he said, as he did, the devil said to him, you just imagine that. You see what I'm talking about? He's right there to oppose. He said, but I just kept on praying. I just ignored that, and I kept on praying and believing God. And he said, in a little bit, he said, I felt the cancer stop. As I had her by my hand, and I, the disease was being felt there by my hand. And he said, I felt the disease stop. I knew the cancer was dead. And I got just praying, and a moment, she licked her lips. And she opened her eyes, and she said, oh, is that, who are you? And he said, I'm Brother Branham. And about that time, you know, his husband began to hear her talk and began to scream, oh, mama, mama, you're alive. And they began to hug one another, and, and he, he got out the door on the other side and slipped away, and that's where he met the blind girl and where she was healed. But, you know, all, all of that, but again, the point is, the devil said to him, You see, in the future home, he said, all the sin that's in the heavens above, he's a prince of the power of the air. You know the Bible said that. Air is atmospheres. And he wards off and keeps off the blessings from God. In there comes thunderbolts and lightnings and strikes the earth and everything from the heavens, sheets of ice and rain and typhoons and storms and everything else comes from above, which is Satan, uh, the prince of the power of the air. But I want to remind you, he may be the prince of powers of atmosphere to bring doubt and confusion and try to get you to disbelieve the word. But I want you to know my Jesus paid for every divine promise there is and the devil has no right 
to keep resisting you when you take that name of Jesus and you press that word to the heart of the enemy. I want you to know he is not the one in authority. You are the son or daughter of God in authority. You are blood-washed, blood-bought, son or daughter of the living God. You don't belong to the devil, and you was never originally his. You were God's before the foundation of the world. He saw you in his mind. He knew who you were. He called you to this place. Hallelujah. And he told you when you meet the devil, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. His word tells you what's going to happen. If you resist him, he's going to flee. Jesus paid for it at Calvary. He's only a squatter in that position. Yeah, he tricked Eve, he tricked Adam. But I'm not born of just sex. I've been born again. Come on. By the same word that spoke Jesus into existence. The Bible said we're born again, not a corruptible seed, but of the word of God that liveth in the body forever. Hallelujah, I'm speaking to people that were true in their second birth. They were born of, of a birth from the Word of God. You are a Word-born bride. Hallelujah, the devil has no claim on your second birth. Amen, as a son of God, the devil has no authority over you. He has no power over you. You're a people of dominion. You're a people that take possession. You're a people of an inheritance. You're a people of a promise. You are the people of the book. And the Supreme Court has opened the book and showed you your name in blood. In blood. In his own blood. He wrote your name. In the book of life before the foundation of the world. Oh, hallelujah, Satan. You've got to go in the name of Jesus. You've got to turn God's people loose. We are a people of authority. We are people who know our God. We are people who will do exploits. Hallelujah. just for a moment. Give him praise just for a moment. Speak your promise. Claim your inheritance. Every redemptive promise in this word of God is our inheritance that Jesus paid with his own blood and there ain't no devil got a right to any promise of God. He hasn't got a right to your healing. He hasn't got a right to your children. He hasn't got a right to your husband, to your wife. He hasn't got a right to the church of Jesus Christ. He hasn't got a right. He's got to take his hands off of God's people. You're God's people. You've been bought with the blood. Don't you know who you are and what your position is? I could speak in a thousand tongues right now. 
Hallelujah. I hear Brother Branham taking authority. He said, Satan, you can't hold them no more. They're God's children right now, and I'm bringing that before you. You have to take your hands off of their life. They belong to God now. I claim them for him. I claim them as trophies of Christ's love at Calvary, and I challenge you in a debate. You don't have no legal power. You don't have no power over them. You didn't have it in the first place. You were only bluffing. You were only bluffing. Christ stripped you of everything you had at Calvary. He stripped every power that you ever had, and you're nothing but a bluff, and we called your bluff. They're children of God now. It's time to call the devil's bluff. He's only bluffing. He has no legal right. He says, and he says again, Jesus constantly said, Fear not, fear not. I am he that was dead, and I am alive forevermore. Fear not, fear not, I am with thee, always to the end of the world. Fear not. And the Christian just keeps sitting back. Oh, I just wonder. He said, oh my, turn it loose. Amen. Get all those things away from me and say, Mr. Satan, you are defeated. Jesus Christ stripped you every power that you had when he died at Calvary. And you're nothing but a bluff. And you can't buff me. I made a stuff that don't bluff. That came from Calvary. Don't bluff it. Don't receive it. Just step aside. I'm moving on for Christ. He said, you'll see his red light go over the hill where he left. That's right. God will take care of his own. And all things work together for the good of them that love God. Hallelujah. I hear him say in waters of separation, I often wonder what's the matter with the Christian church. They're so scared of things. Why, you're nothing to be scared of. The first word nearly Jesus said after the resurrection, fear not, don't fear. Don't get scared. There ain't nothing going to happen. Nothing can happen. Nothing can bother a Christian. Not even death itself can touch the Christian. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Death itself has no more reign over a Christian. Christ died in your stead. What faith that ought to build up in the people? Something that ought to toe the mark. You'll never get nothing being a little jellyfish, Christian. No, sir, did you ever see a jellyfish? You just hit him, he splatters everything. And, and a jellyfish, you know, what he usually eats some of the crabs and things along the seashore. Just comes up with his pinchers and cuts him in two and takes him down because a jellyfish just lays there. Brother, we need some Christians. Not jellyfish but with a backbone. That's right, that is stand. I don't mean fuss with people, but stand for your God-given rights that Christ died for. Certainly not pushed around. We don't have to. No, sir. We got an inheritance, and our inheritance belongs to us. It's your privilege to have anything that you inherited to accept in Jesus Christ and die in yourself. How marvelous. Yes, sir. Satan said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And he says, no, you're not going to do nothing. And he said, that's a way to talk back to him. 
through you. The devil comes and says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And you say, no, you're not going to do nothing. The devil can make you stretch. Come on. But he doesn't have the ability to take it through unless you lay down like a jellyfish. Unless you're spineless. And I ain't spineless. I've never been spineless. Took the promise of God. It's mine. It's my inheritance. Hallelujah. Amen. It happened. It happened for me even when I was just a young boy and, and the doctor said, I'll give you fifty percent chance of keeping your foot. You you know, you, you're better off without without it than to than to have it like it is. This church prayed and we prayed together. The doctor came back out with his hands up in the air, tears coming down his face, and he said, praise God, son. Don't you never thank me for this. God brought you through this. I'll tell you this. If God brought me through that, he'll bring me through again. If I won one battle, I'm out to win another. It only gave me courage. Amen. A little preacher came with George Lickers, drove 500 miles with a scripture to give to me just before I went into that surgery. And that scripture was, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Yeah. Hallelujah. I've been bruising Satan under my feet ever since then because I am a serpent bruiser, a devil to fear. I am an overcutter. And Satan will be crushed. His head will be crushed. Well, I tell you what I'm going to do. No, you ain't going to do nothing. That's the way to talk back to the devil. Say, I know my position in Christ, and you might as well get away. I ain't listening to you anymore. I got an inheritance. I wonder if there's some people here today that say, I ain't listening to him anymore. Eve listened to him and fell. But I want you to know, devil, I've got a title deed, an abstract that goes all the way back to Calvary. Amen. The day of Pentecost when he said, this promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are far off and even as many as the Lord our God shall call. An abstract deed, clear all the way back to Pentecost. In case you think I'm making all that up, this is what a prophet of God said. Amen. He said, how far does it go back? How many is it? As many as the Lord our God shall call. If the Lord calls you, he gives you an abstract title all the way back. And the blood of Jesus Christ is just as good as if it had been shed 10 minutes ago. Hallelujah. said, every believer, it's your profession. You're just scared to use your rights. So what if you go home this evening and you find there you're a respectable man, respectable family, respectable Christian. You go home and there's a bunch of big crowd of drunks sitting in your house. Just help themselves to everything in your house, lounging on your couch, drinking their beer, smoking their marijuana and their dope and everything else. And you walk out and they've taken it over your house. You walk in there, that's what he's done. You say, you, get, you go in there and you say, what in the world are you doing here? And he said, well, this is a house, ain't it? Well, yeah, it's a house. Well, it's made for humans, isn't it? Yeah. 
well, I'm a human being. I got a right to be here. But you don't have a right to be here. I didn't invite you here. We don't believe in that kind of carrying on. So, well, I'm not going to get out. Well, there's a law that says he'll get out as long as you can prove it's your house. Now, Satan comes along and he said, I'm going to take you prematurely. That's what he wants to do. He's wanting to take Brother Ron prematurely. Wanting to take Sister Karen prematurely. She's only 60. She's not even quite 62 years old yet. You know, the devil has no business turning her into an old woman like that. Hobbling around and befuddled and things like that. The devil has no right to that. I'm telling you, he has no right to it. We are the children of the most high God. And said, I'm going to take you prematurely. I'm going to do this. No, you're not. How many will say this morning, no, you're not. I'm going to take your children. No, you're not. I'm going to keep you out of the rapture. No, you're not. You're, I'm going to keep you from your healing. No, you're not. Not today, Satan. There's a different set of ears. Hallelujah. There's a different set of ears that have heard the word of promise. And today is not your day. It's a bad day for you, Goliath. It's a bad day for you, Satan. But today, I'm going to cut your head off. And I'm going to reach and I'm going to grab that head and I'm going to shake it around. And I'm going to say, this is what we can do with the devil's own sword. Turn his own words against him. We got an attorney sitting in glory. He's called the intercessor, the lamb. Not only that, we got an FBI agent, the Holy Ghost. God's great detective. Amen. Just leave the blood there and serve the warrant on him. And watch the Holy Ghost put him out. Amen. There you are, yours, whosoever will, let him come. So, well, Brother Tim, it ain't even happened yet. You know, my miracle hadn't even happened yet. And, and I, I'll tell you, I, I've been believing God for it. How much have you believed? Have you believed him enough to praise him for it? Have you believed it enough to go ahead and claim it? Have you already been believing it? Come on, somebody. Have you been shouting over your inheritance? What are you down in the mully grubs about? Why are you down and depressed about? Amen. You know, Mary, she didn't wait until she felt life. She started right then testifying. She was going to have a baby. And as soon as God's word sinks in your heart, you get up and give a testimony to it. And when God takes the Holy Spirit, brings that word to you and makes it alive to you, a reality that your faith, you stand up and you claim it. You don't have to feel nothing. See nothing. You have to believe. Amen. Oh, don't wait on some feeling. While I'm waiting on a feeling, Brother Tim, I know my cigarette habit's gone. Don't wait on no feeling. Go to praising God right now. It's gone. He conquered it at Calvary. Amen. It's gone. Hallelujah. I pronounce it gone in the name of Jesus Christ. If you can take that, I prophesy in his name. You don't have to feel nothing, see nothing. You have to believe something. Amen. She said, 
she said, Behold, the hands made the Lord be unto me according to thy word. She took his word and started rejoicing. She had to testify about it. And as soon as a genuine Christian faith anchors in a person's heart, let them be bound in a wheelchair, blind, whatever it is, they'll tell it, I'm healed. How do you know you are? Because Jesus said so and I believe it. Oh, I like to throw that in the devil's face. Huh? Jesus said so. And I believe it. I'm turning your light down. Come on. I'm giving the word preeminence over this situation, and I want to throw it in the devil's face. Brother Brandon said to Mayo's, a group of doctors surround me, said, Reverend Branham, you're finished. And he said, but Jesus said, I healed you. Hallelujah. I took him at his word. And listen to him. He said, he hates me. I know he does. Oh, Hallelujah. Amen. He hates me. I know that he does. How many can say that this morning? He hates me. I know that he does. But Christ loves me because he redeemed me. And yes, I like to push it back at him every time I get a chance. He says to Daniel, Daniel, you are greatly beloved. He says to you, Katie, Katie, you are greatly beloved. Amen. He says to you, and to you, and to you, God so love you. He gave his whole world for you, his whole life for you. Push it back in the devil's face. I am loved of God. I'm his child. I'm his beloved. This is my beloved son. That's what he said when the Holy Ghost came. This is a son I love and I'm pleased to dwell in him. And there's nothing can separate me from that love. Push it back in his face. So, well, I don't feel any better than I ever felt. When I come out of there, I said, that old boy, he said, if you want to hear me praise God, stick around. He's leaving the clinic. They told him, you're finished. You'll never get well. Oh, boy, he said, if you want to hear me praise God, stick around. You'll, you'll hear me. You're going to hear me. I mean to praise him till death sets me free. Come on. It did not matter if he went down into death. He's going to praise God for that healing anyhow. Amen. I mean to praise him to death so set me free. Let it be a little big, whatever it is. He's worthy of all praise and glory. I wonder what's happened to the church when they forgot how to praise. When the praise of the Lord has left the camp. When the church is sitting dead as midnight and it's like a morgue everywhere and you can't even pry an amen out of the people anymore and there's no shouts or no hallelujahs. Oh, Brother Branham talked about that. He said, I, I always thought of an old nightingale. He said, I, I would hear it sing. Oh, I'd be coming home from a meeting up in, uh, up, up in Millstown and come home, and I hear an old nightingale sing. And he said, well, I began to study about the nightingale. And he said, I found out if the nightingale can just see a star shining, if it gets his eye on the star, it'll start singing. And he said, it might be all dark and gloomy, but if just a little cloud moves back, where he's not even seeing the whole picture of all the stars shining, but just one little star, he said, then 
finally, he said he sees that star and he goes to singing. And he said, I like it in the church when an old saint will sit down in the service of God and the clouds will begin to move back by the preaching of the word. And one little nightingale out there begins to get a glimpse of the promise of God. And you hear a hearty amen and a hallelujah and a glory to God. He said, Then I know the sun is still shining somewhere. I asked for it last night. It didn't come through clear enough. Jason Jackson has in his office a picture of Brother Branham. And Brother Branham is coming off the top of the pulpit. He's got his leg all the way up top, jumped up on the pulpit and been preaching. People get an idea of Brother Branham that he was just an old Baptist. He preached Baptist sermons and had Baptist experience and had a Baptist attitude toward worship. He wasn't. He said, I want to be Pentecostal from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Come on, church. Amen. He said, it's a shame that even the Pentecostals have got ashamed of the name Pentecost. We should never get ashamed of our inheritance. Amen. Paul was a Pentecostal. Peter was a Pentecostal. James and John was a Pentecostal. Jesus was the first Pentecostal. Come on now. Amen. And if you ever get the Holy Ghost, you'll be a Pentecostal. It'll put Pentecost down in the soul of Jubilee that sets you free. Where was I? I was telling something. Amen. But you know, we got to start pushing the devil back. God's worthy of all the praise. The shout of the king is to be in our midst. It's got to be. Brother Branham said in, in there, um, in, the, in, the, in the message, ashamed of him. Are you ashamed of your Pentecostal experience? Most people in the message don't want one. I say shame on you. He said, are you ashamed of it? He said, that's being ashamed of him. Amen. It's time that people come back to reality, to the power of the living God. So, oh, we don't do that. Oh, yeah, now I know where I was. And people get the idea of Brother Branham. Oh, well, you know, he worshiped like that, Brother Dim, but he only did it in private. You know, out there in the woods, you know, he, you, you hear him talk about, you know, the chatter of the squirrel and the old eagle up there, and he was praising God in his universe, and he went round and round and round the tree shouting God, shouting and praising God. He said, well, you, you know, you could have heard me 40 miles away. He said, I'm just having a jubilee out there. And he said, this old chick, chipmunk got to chattering. And he said, I, I thought, what are you afraid of me about? What are you chattering about? And he got to realize that he wasn't chattering to him at all. He was, he was looking at his eye on an eagle sitting up there. And he said, well, God, what do you want me to see in that eagle? I see you in your universe. I see you in your power. I've seen you in the storm. I've seen you in the cattle and the, and the call of the elk. I've heard you in the call of the wolf. I've, I see you in creation. He said, you get enough God inside of you, you see God everywhere. And he said, so what do you want me to see about that old eagle? 
And he said, I, you know, he was watching him, and the little squirrel was just, you know, like he said, the blue police coat, uh, uh, blue policeman of the, of the woods, you know, with his little cap and hat on, screaming, you know, and, and yelling at the eagle and chattering away. And he said, you know, I looked at him, and he said, I noticed he just kept flexing his wings. He just kept flexing his wings, kept moving them. And he said, I, I saw that the eagle wasn't afraid. You see, the eagle's not a, uh, uh, he's not a coward. He's not afraid of anything. He's got bravery. And he said, that's one thing God hates is a coward. You remember in Gideon's battle, he said, everybody that's fearful and afraid, go home. Amen. When he lined them up for war and the priests had come by, he sent them out and he said, now you go and say, anybody's afraid, go home. Anybody just married a wife and you, you're worried, you know, about fulfilling that, go home. If your mind isn't made up to win this battle, go home. We don't want you in our army. God doesn't want cowards. God wants men and women of faith. Hallelujah. Are you with me now? Amen. So in this, in this, as Brother Branham was, was saying, he watched him there, and he began to move those wings there. He said, you see, he had faith in the wings that God has given him. You know, Jesus told us that, that you worship God in spirit and in truth. You know that? Amen. Two takes two wings to fly. You don't fly nowhere with one wing. Right? You want to keep your chickens bound down in a coop, you clip one wing. You make them out of balance, and they just flip around in a, in a, in a circle. Right? Because they can't get over the fence. They can't escape into freedom because you clipped a wing. Amen. We've got two wings that God gave us. We worship him in spirit and in truth. Say, so, Brother Tim, we got the truth. Well, where's the spirit? So, well, we got the spirit. Well, where's the word? It's got to be balanced. Come on, otherwise you just flop around and around and around. That's what some do. You know, they get all spirited. They, you know, they have no life to go with it. There's no word that goes with it. You got over here and you got all word and no spirit. It takes a balanced approach to worship God. You worship him in spirit and in truth. He began to see what's that eagle. And he said, after a bit, he got tired of the chatter, chatter of the old pine squirrel. And he said he made one leap off of that branch. And there he said he never flopped his wings anymore. He just spread his wings and he caught the current of the moving of the wind. And he began to ride upon there and ride upon there and rise upon there until he went way away where he no longer could even hear the chatter of the pine squirrel that was saying, days of miracles are past. It ain't right to shout like that. You can't have that in the message church. Amen, but an eagle will fly out with spirit and truth, and they'll soar into heaven where all things are possible to them that believe. And you think, oh, well, that's the way Brother Branham worshiped, you know, in the woods. But no, not in church. He practiced an order. Yet any order that orders the Holy Spirit out is not God's order. In fact, to the matter, Brother Branham said, you ought to get out of order long enough to get saved. 
people take such a legalistic approach to things, they think they're the frozen chosen. Yeah, they're deader than and drier than last year's bird's nest. It's been abandoned a long time. There ain't been no children even born there. Shame on the church that there ain't people at an altar calling out to God. Shame on the church that people ain't being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Shame on the church that there ain't something, a witness in their heart that's going out to the highways and byways and compelling them to come in. Shame on the church when the devil isn't cast out. Shame on the church. That ain't seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, well, Brother Tim, we all got the Holy Ghost, then refilled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. Refilled one more time. Let me catch the wind of the Spirit. Move in the Spirit where all things are possible. You don't know, Brother Branham. I happened to be in his meetings too. Brother Branham would stand there in front of a microphone because they had to catch the recording. He learned to stand in one spot most of the time because of the recording, because of the microphone. The audience, the large audience couldn't hear him. But when he was that little, when he was that little banny rooster in Jeffersonville, before all the recordings, he preached from one end of the platform to the other, running back and forth. He would get so in the spirit that he would even start getting out in the aisles and rolling up his, and come to himself, rolling up his, his trousers, walking out there. And he said, first thing I know, I spoke in other tongues. And he said, and as I did, an interpretation came that he is a rock in a weary land, and he is a fountain and a shelter in the time of storm. Let me tell you, friends, that's the Spirit of God that moves upon the people. Amen. That's the prophet that I know about. That's the Holy Ghost I'm talking about. You see, the devil has to recognize the supreme power and authority of Jesus Christ. He said, it's not me. He hates me. He don't have to mind me, but he has to mind the one I represent. He has to mind the one who sent me. It ain't me. But I'll tell you what, I've seen demons scream. I've locked eyes face to face with them until men were changed, freed from the bondage of sin. I've stood there and called on the name of Jesus Christ, and even when they resisted, we didn't give up until they were delivered. Why? Because all authority lasts in the, is in the name of Jesus. And if you have to resist him, resist him. Amen. If you've got to do it one minute, do it one minute. If you've got to do it 10 minutes, do it 10 minutes. But whatever you do, you don't give up. Come on. Amen. Why? The Bible said, he will flee from you. Amen. He's going to flee from you. You're going to make the devil run. I tell you what, the devil ought to be on the run this morning with Church of Jesus Christ believing. We ought to see his red lights go over the hill and say, there he's gone. He's left from here. And what, because he's gone, people are delivered. I tell you what, why don't you stand up this morning and claim your deliverance? Why don't you right now claim your inheritance? Satan, I 
bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. I resent you coming. I resent what you have done. I resent your attacks, and I'm not giving up, and I'm not backing down, and I'm not turning around, but I'm claiming my divine inheritance this morning, and I say, get the hints now in the name of Jesus Christ for God's glory for here and around the world in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you claim it for yourself this morning? Amen. You say, well, Brother Tim, my problem is no arthritis problem. No, that's a devil problem. It's a demon that's got a hold of your body. He don't have a right to it. Amen. You say, well, it's some kind of sickness. It's a heart trouble. He don't have a right to you. Amen. Come on. It's a lust problem. He doesn't have a right to you. Amen. It's a cigarette habit. He don't have a right to you. Amen. It's a dope habit. He doesn't have a right to it. He's got a hold of my children. He don't have a right to it. Satan, you have no right. You say it's an insanity spirit. He don't have a right to insanity. Hallelujah. We believe. Thus we speak. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I send the word right now to Ron Spencer. I send it to Karen Fruitt there in the hospital. I send it to the shut-ins and the people down in prisons. And the Lord, that man in prison doesn't have to stay in prison. Father, you can even bring a way that he can be free and get back in there and even witness in prison again. I bind the spirits of the enemy that has come to torment that man. I curse it in the name of Jesus Christ, and I proclaim liberty and freedom to him. I don't know how to come or when it'll come, but I'm claiming it in Jesus' name. And I claim freedom and victory for your people right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A highway has been made in the desert for our God. Amen. Barren places are now springing forth. Barren wombs are given life. The barren womb of the church is springing forth. And a bride of people is pregnated, bringing forth the promised word of the Son of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Brother Timothy, come lead us in praise. Hallelujah. You have been anointed to tear Satan's kingdom down. Tear it down. Don't let one stone lay on another. Tear it down. Claim your inheritance. Speak to your mountain. Hallelujah. Let me preach just for one more minute. When you get up in the heavenly places, when you fly like an eagle, your biggest problem, your biggest mountain becomes a mohill. Your biggest trouble becomes something that needed to be like that. When you get up in the heavenlies where all things are possible. Hallelujah. Amen. You say, my problems are big. You just ain't high enough yet. Shut your wings. Get in the movement of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Don't drop around from church to church and, and, and wither around. Get there in the spirit of God. Begin to rise higher. Your trouble will become nothing. The chatter of the enemy. That old devil saying, 
you ain't very much of a Christian. You can't do this. It'll all fade away. You'll get in the presence of the S-O-N of God. And there in that presence, all things are possible to them that believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so now. Come on. Say so. Say amen to it. It's my promise, Lord. I accept it right now. Amen. I accept it for myself, for my children, for my family, for my need right now. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Claim it. It's yours. Hallelujah. worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father.